Beyond and hello everyone. My name is Jonathan Dorbush and I am your host for IGN's weekly PlayStation show, Beyond. This is episode 601. We finally crossed the 600 mark and, you know, we had the full standard cast of the show, Max, Brian, Lucy, and myself here last week for episode 600, obviously a huge milestone episode. And I thought after that, you know, it'd be great if I got rid of all of them. So we did and basically turned it into Nintendo voice chat this week, but we're not talking about Nintendo. We're talking about Monster Hunter and many other things. Uh, I'm joined this week by Tom R. Marks, Tom Wisconsin Marks. What? That, that's your worst guess yet. I mean, I like all the normal ones that I can think of don't work. So I'm. You not, have not used all of the normal Robert. R names. No, not that either. Ron. No. Because my hope is it's not normal. I, I want you to have just a real out there middle name. Well, prepare to Reek. be disappointed eventually. That's my most of my life. Uh, I'm also joined this week. <laughs> <laughs> the Game of Thrones character. Yeah, like <laughs> before before the show. Yeah, yeah. Your your parents were big fans of the book. That character is based on me. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Uh, moving on from that because I really don't. We don't have time for that unfortunately this week. Uh, we do have time though for Casey Defridas, who is also joining us. Hello. Hi, Casey. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for being on, Tom. Thank you for being on as well. Uh, we may later be joined by John Ryan, and if we're not, you know who to blame, John Ryan. Uh, of course, though, we do have a bit to talk about before we get into Monster Hunter, so I thought we could start off with a little bit of news crunch. And the theme song is playing, and we're all standing here awkwardly. And now it's over, so we can talk about the news this week. Um, quite a few things to talk about. Not necessarily PlayStation first-party related this week. Uh, it's a bit quiet as we're waiting for all the fall releases. That said, a lot of things are going on. The first thing I wanted to tell was the fact that this month on IGN, or IGN first, is Borderlands 3. Uh, that is coming up very soon. That game comes out September 13th. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so, yeah, it's very soon. Get ready for all the wiki fun of that no. massive game. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll be busy. I would assume, uh, with Monster Hunter. It's starting, but I have an excuse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is off topic, but man, the summer <laughs> is over. Yeah. Like it's, oh, yeah. it just looking forward, not like it's still a little bit summery, but I feel like starting in like three weeks, we're starting to just get like games. Oh, so next, next week games. for yeah. me, it's just like we've got Gamescom, I have Pokemon World Championships, like we just have. And then Monster Hunter, yeah, so much, yeah, a lot. It's yeah, it feels like we're in the middle of October, and it yeah. just turned to be August. Yep. But uh, you can watch the first fifteen minutes of Borderlands uh, Three on IGN.com right now. Exactly, and if you're a fan like John Carpenter, you can also tweet it out. Uh, John Carpenter, you know the filmmaker, tweeted that out, and he just wrote, "Ah, the first fourteen minutes of Borderlands Three are great." And then we tweeted at him like, "Hey, here's the video," <laughs> which I appreciate. Um, but yeah, we have a lot more coming. I think even as this episode will be posting that day another Borderlands 3 piece is going up so we have a lot more to come on that very long way to sequel I'm excited to finally get hands on that as someone who played through Borderlands 1 and 2 all um, by themselves what about the I never finished it <gasps> I don't think that's the biggest sin to be honest <laughs> not. I did finish the best of them Tales from the Borderlands though Ooh. that was a good one uh, did, you, did you also yes. see in other Borderlands news just to add to this news crunch going yeah. off book a little bit did you How see that you? apparently they've sold like Five million copies in the Borderlands series in the last three months. What? That's crazy. Yeah. That's, Wait, that's like, does that count the Handsome Jack collection that was up for free? I think so. Okay. It would have to because that would account for so many people. Yeah. And, and that I'm sure is part of it. But that, that still means that five million more copies of some sort of Borderlands thing is out there. So people are hyped. It was super. Well, it was a PlayStation Plus free game. 
Yeah. And at the same time, Steam discounted it to like a dollar. It was something egregiously And there was low. also yeah. free DLC that came out that encouraged people to get it as well. That yeah. was for Borderlands 2, right? Yeah, for 2, but it basically like bridges the gap to 3. It was free and now you have to pay for it. So it was kind of one of those, like if you don't jump on this now, but you want 3, it kind of seems silly to wait. So yeah, yeah. Uh, not a bad time to be a Borderlands fan and hopefully 3 turns out to be awesome. Uh, moving on from that though, a little bit more of an involved story uh, this past weekend was Evo, the major fighting game tournament. Uh, lots of fun was had there, but also a goof that didn't go so well. Um, <laughs> Casey, I know you were a little bit interested in this one. Yeah. Um, so you may help be able to help me fill in some blanks that I don't know, uh, but reading off of our news coverage of it, um, it seemed like Metal Gear Solid Snake was coming to Tekken 7, but that was not the case. Uh, there so, was a teaser video, basically. Yeah. So during the Tekken 7 grand finals, they, they did not stream this. It was just on the screen um, on the stage where they showed... Um, Snake talking to, I think, I can't remember if it was, like, the CEO of Tekken. I think it was the game director. The game director. um, CEO of Tekken. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. The Tekken guy. No, but um, in the the classic uh, Metal Gear Solid way where they have Snake come up on one side and the other guy come up and the text comes up and he says that was some, like, heckin' awesome Tekken or some weird line or something. And then that was it. And that was the whole thing. And the entire crowd goes crazy. And sure. everyone starts tweeting. He's like, oh my God, Snake is coming to Tekken, which isn't so far-fetched because, you know, we have Noctis from Final Fantasy VII and we have um, Negan from Walking Dead. So, yeah. I mean, stranger things could happen. And and Snake has been in Smash, so Snake mm-hmm. has been in fighting That is before. not available on PlayStation. Please don't talk about that. Thank you. <laughs> and then also... That's what Evo does, is they do a lot of announcements. Guilty mm-hmm. Gear 2020 was announced, and a new Grand Blue Fantasy game was announced. What was the name of the other game that was announced, Tom? Oh, I don't even <laughs> remember it anymore. I could pull it up, but it would take two hours to read. That's fair. Um, but yeah, very long. So, they announced a, a bunch of characters for other fighting games yeah. as well at this tournament. It's yeah. a pretty standard thing now that Evo brings with it some news in addition to some really fun fights. Uh, cut to 9.31 p.m. Pacific time, I believe, on August 4th, 2019, at Evo, right? Just to clear things up, the snake cameo video that we showed during Tekken Finals was our idea of a little joke. It was not intended to imply a character reveal and was done on our own without consulting Bandai Namco. Sorry for any confusion. And then oh. to add to that, um, David Hayter, the voice actor of Snake, uh, quote, uh, quote tweeted that and said, Evo, you also failed to consult me or Konami. Please do not use my voice to promote other games ever. Yep. Period. Although uh, he signs his tweets DH. DH. Yeah. It's very cute. It's like uh, Tom Hanks signs them thanks. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. I like that. Um, and then Haradasan uh, of Tekken, of course, he tweeted out and we had his tweets translated uh, from the wonderful IGN Japan team. They helped us out to translate them into English. So obviously there may be some discrepancy in what the exact translation is, but uh, they helped us out hugely. And essentially he said, here's an explanation for people in Japan. During a break at the EVA finals, a weird video that lasted a few seconds was shown, not streamed, which had MGS's snake and me talking. Bandai Namco fiercely protested towards EVO only to find out that this footage was created by EVO without permission. Other non-supervised footage was shown as well. Uh, he then continued, Evo made an official apology and then tweeted an explanation. Still making a video like that without permission results in people getting angry because there wasn't an official announcement after that. And now we feel sorry for Konami and Mr. Kojima. Although, of course, we haven't done anything wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they didn't do anything. Yeah, no. no. Yeah. It, this is, this is, and to, to clarify the point about David Hayter too, apparently what happened was this was a quote that 
a Tekken player, I think a streamer, had commissioned David Hayter to do this thing for like his stream or his yeah. channel. And so it was actually David Hayter doing, actually talking about Tekken in the voice, but for something completely else that Evo just took, and which is also like you're not only using his voice without permission, making all this confusion, but like someone paid for that and you just took it. Took it. And it's like, it was, I think, not a, what's the word? Not a uh, It's not malicious. malicious. No. It's not a malicious yeah. thing. It was just such an ill-thought-out joke. Like, it was somebody who was just like, ah, oh, it's going to be funny. And, like, it would have been funny in another context, in another circumstance where the people wouldn't immediately take it seriously. Like, if it was a really small, local tournament with a bunch of people with inside jokes who maybe knew that streamer and knew that that was a voice um that clip that existed knowing where it was coming from like that would have been funny but this was a really big audience that maybe didn't know like i didn't know that that was a paid for voice clip yeah for a twitch streamer no yeah it's um, it was just oh man just a massive mess up the situation all around yeah and around a weekend that obviously is used to being so supportive and upbeat and a like really exciting way to celebrate this fighting community and then it kind of has to be mired in the afterthought of oh they also did that not great aspect <laughs> yeah. of it which is a bummer um but of course there was a lot of other wonderful stuff that happened at evo we have a list of all the winners and all the exciting stuff tom were you watching it a bit as well I watched the grand finals of a little bit of Smash Bros, a little bit of... I watched the grand finals of Dragon Ball Fighters, and then the grand finals of Mortal Kombat 11. Okay. And then I also yeah. watched uh, our very own Mitchell Saltzman competing in Mortal Kombat. Yes. Yeah, shout out to Mitchell, who uh, I was not in the office, but seeing the whole office come together to support him was wonderful. Yeah. And, uh, and then uh, Emeka also played a little bit as yeah. well. Um, okay. Mecha got out of groups, right? He got a little farther, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Go he's going to be on NBC this week to talk about his fight stick and his experience at Evo. Oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Plugging your I'm other sorry. show on this show. How <laughs> dare you, Casey? It's almost like I wanted you on the show. Uh, moving on from that, though, wanted to also mention the fact that uh, I don't know if any of us here are big fans, but I know that he has a huge audience on IGN, uh, WWE 2K20. The cover stars, collector's edition, and game modes were announced, but actually, as we're recording this, there's an interesting update to this year. Um, but anyway, 2K20 will feature both Roman Reigns and Becky Lynch as the cover stars. Uh, the 2K, 2K showcase mode will return, now subtitled The Women's Evolution, and will follow the career of the four horsewomen. Uh, my career mode will now allow players to compete as both male and female superstars and mixed tag matches have been introduced. Uh, WWE Towers mode is also returning and adds a new story-driven tower featuring Roman Reigns' career. Uh, an interesting thing, though, that popped up right before we were recording, uh, 2K confirmed that the longtime developer of WWE 2K, uh, I don't know how to pronounce them exactly, at Ukes or UKs, uh, Y-U-K-E apostrophe S, uh, is no longer the developer of WWE. Uh, 2K has parted ways with them and will now be working or i believe also with excuse me i'm reading the statement as i'm saying this out loud uh it will now be developed by visual concepts so the official statement uh we received from duke 2k is wwe 2k20 will be developed by visual concepts who have worked with ukes on the development of the series since wwe 2k14 as we've continued to invest in the wwe 2k franchise that's a lot of w's we've seen the visual concepts team display incredible passion talent and commitment to the future of the series we thank ukes for their years of partnership and are excited to see what the visual concepts team brings to the franchise moving forward um, this makes a lot of sense because a while back we reported on this on IGN now Ukes announced that they were working on their own 
wrestling game that would be a direct competitor to 2K while they still seem to be working on WWE yeah. 2K. Uh, this clears that up, obviously. But um, a, a bit of a strange situation to see that happen yeah. kind of publicly like that. But if you're wondering if there are any differences, I guess we'll see in WWE 2K20. That may be part of the reason. Um, moving on from that, obviously I want to mention, you probably already know if you play the game, uh, Fortnite Season 10 has launched. Um, we, of course, cover that in a huge way on our Wiki's team, and I just wanted to shout that out since, of course, we have Casey on the team uh, yeah. and the wonderful team of both in-house and freelance Wiki contributors who helped keep that and the many other Wikis alive. So much. And one of our biggest Wiki pages, actually, is the WWE uh, roster pages for those Oh, really? Too. So okay. I'm not looking forward to going back into the, my macros to make that. <laughs> <laughs> um, before jumping to another couple of other things, including some PlayStation-related stuff, did want to mention No Man's Sky Beyond, uh, who were in the middle of a very litigious lawsuit with, or not, please don't sue us. <laughs> um, that is coming out August 14th, and that adds PSVR support. Uh, they've been talking about this feature for a little bit. Our own Mark Medina, a while back, got hands-on with No Man's Sky in VR, so you can check out those impressions from a couple months ago. Um, but that is coming as a free update to the game, so if you are already own No Man's Sky, you can play the full game in VR in this update as well as some really other cool. big things they're adding. Yeah, it makes me, I played No Man's Sky right when it first came out for a little bit, completely stopped, have not played since any of these big updates that have made it a demonstrably, demonstrably different game, and now they're adding PSVR, and I'm like, I kind of want to see how that plays. Yeah, yeah um, it sounds like a good game for VR just because it is, like, I didn't like it at all when it came out, oh. and I similarly haven't gone back to it. Uh, I just thought that the loop was so simple, and obviously yeah. what they've been doing over the last couple of years is adding more and more and more, but also I feel like that type of game would be more interesting in VR just because VR is a nice way to relax sometimes and just like be in a different world, and that is a thing that that game does very well is put you in different worlds, literally, so... Yeah, I think this would be a cool one to try out. Yeah, I, I dipping back into. I think especially for the PlayStation audience, it's probably going to bring a lot of people who maybe have been on the fence about going back to it. If you have PSVR, very good reason to go back. Yeah. So yeah, I'm excited to jump back in. Uh, that comes out a couple of weeks. I know Max Scoville definitely wants to check that out as well. So we'll probably be talking about that a lot as that actually releases. Um, moving on from that, though, I want to talk a bit about uh, China Joy 2019. Uh, specifically one game, and I'm going to pull up our coverage on it. But um, huge thank you to... We didn't cover China Joy ourselves, so I'm pulling a bit from Push Square today. Huge thank you to you guys for all that you did covering this show. Uh, but China Joy 2019 is very much focused on Sony, uh, our coverage right now, Sony and the Chinese market. Uh, so some of these games may not be relevant to these things you will be playing down the line, but I think it's really interesting to talk about. And one of the ones I... Well, can I just ask a yeah. really quick question? Sure. I'd never heard of China Joy before this year. I, I hadn't either. It is a thing that has existed, but I did not know that. It's like E3, kind of a Chinese gaming market's E3, essentially? E I think basically, like, it's the Chinese market for games has developed so significantly over the yeah. last couple of years. I think it is their sort of attempt for that sort of thing. Um, I don't know the storied history of it, and I don't want to pontificate. Yeah, yeah, yeah right course. now on the spot, but uh, it's definitely something that I think caught me by surprise when uh, after we recorded last week's show, a couple of people were like, Are you, did you guys talk about China Joy? And I was like, I don't know what that is. I should probably take a look. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that we covered on IGN relevant to it, uh, and I know Casey, you want to talk about this a little bit, uh, was essentially that uh, Chinese Zelda fans were protesting an alleged Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild ripoff looking game, uh, Genshin Impact. 
And this is coming, this is a PS4 game. Yes, yeah, this is a PS4 game, Genshin Impact, uh, which is developed from the uh, Chinese development house uh, MiHoYo. Um, and it has upset certain Chinese fans who state that it is allegedly copying The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Uh, this was originally reported by Kotaku, but as written by our own uh, Adam Bankhurst. Uh, Genshin Impact was showcased at the China Joy Gaming Expo by Sony, and many in attendance couldn't help but point out the similarities in gameplay, mechanics, art style, and music. Um, and apparently it caused people to be so angry, someone allegedly broke their PS4 in protest. <sighs> Uh, but anyway, Casey, I thought we could talk a little bit about, because uh, obviously this game seems to play to your uh, interests yeah. quite a bit. It's Zelda. But make it anime. <laughs> so, <laughs> and dragons. And dragons. Um, I don't know. I think this looks, it, it very obviously draws inspiration from Breath of the Wild. Like there's no fighting that. There's no going against it. If you look at the screenshot comparisons, if you look at the video, the gameplay video and the music and everything that this article pointed out, I mean, it's. It's true, but I think it looks different enough to make it a different game. And they've also started, if you look up Genshin Impact, the main website actually has an ongoing visual novel to kind of, that has, it has a completely different story and completely different characters and the gameplay, especially kind of, it looks different enough is just what I'm going to say. And mm -hmm. the character models are obviously incredibly different because they're all a bunch of anime girls. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I'm interested in the story. I want to play it. It looks like the boss fights might be a little bit more engaging and more of them. I think it looks cool. I want to play it. Can I take the counterpoint? Yeah, absolutely. I, wow. I respect that entirely. Uh, and I think you're right that there are lots of differences. The thing that irks me and I think is super like jarring in, the, in a case like this is stuff like the UI is yeah. identical. Like menus, <laughs> yeah. like the, the weapon menus are like not just taking inspiration from, but just copying. No, at, you're at, right. At least on the surface. And I think you're totally, I think it's 100% fair for you to, to point out and good that you're pointing out that like, hey, just beyond these surface level things, there are going to be differences. But it's hard to deny that they didn't just look at Zelda and say, we're going to make that, but add these other things or do these things differently, which is, I understand why people are mad because there's a lot of love for that game. And it's mm -hmm. also, you know, people praise Zelda a lot for being very like different. And then to take a game that is known for being different and then just remake it with your own <laughs> twists is like so shameless, I guess. It is. It is a hundred percent shameless. And you do have a very good point. I think I am letting my bias cloud my judgment a bit because I am, I want more Breath of the Wild and right. more Breath yeah. of the Wild with slightly different mechanics and more anime sounds really cool to me. <laughs> but that's also really, it's not fair to the makers of Breath of the Wild because like you said, it is like they're taking a little bit too much from it. It's, yeah. it, is, it, it has gone past the point of inspiration. And there are other games that are big air quotes inspired by Breath of the Wild that are coming, and very clearly that game was influential on a lot of things, and it's cool to see that sort of evolve. Um, this one just, like, I think crossed a line with a lot of people, and I think it is the visual similarities where it just is, in some ways, so similar, where, like, you even have these like these monsters that are like the Guardians with yeah. like weird tentacly arms and laser beams, and you're like, wow, that's, like, really, really the same. But also... There's no Breath of the Wild on PlayStation 4, and it's kind of like if we're gonna get a game like this on PS4, that's also kind of cool. It's nice maybe. to have an like, alternative. I yeah, I mean, I'm conflicted. It's yeah, a, it's that, a weird I think that's the thing. It's conflicting. Yeah, 
Um, interestingly, do you think Nintendo will take action against them? I don't I guess that's the big question. I don't think so. Nintendo can be litigious, but things like this are really, really it's hard to to make that case that like you have to you have to have really good proof that someone stole from you because you can't just like copyright UI, right? Yeah. Like you can't just copyright the look of a menu and be like, yeah, this is this is ours. No one can design a menu that looks like this. Oh, yours is a little bit similar. That's ours. Like, we're going to sue you. So I think they definitely could make a case because that's the whole point of the legal system is that it doesn't matter what you is or isn't legal. It's what can you make a case for, right, in, in a court of law, unfortunately. Um, and I think they could try to make a case. I don't know if it would stand up, to be honest. Also, who knows how international law would right yeah. affected. Like, I'm not enough of a fake lawyer to be able to tell you so all the maybe, things of that. Maybe it'll stay in China because of that, which would be yeah. And if it does that, then it's probably just going to be protected by that because mm -hmm. there's Chinese knockoff games all the time that rip <laughs> assets that actually rip assets rather than remake there's, assets. Like there's one, one going around. This is getting off topic, but there's one going around that was uh, with the Pokemon. Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that took um, animations from a uh, Pokemon tournament and put them in their turn-based game. Yeah, yeah. Um, interestingly, though, obviously this is with a game that has backing from PlayStation. That kind of brings the notoriety to it. Um, right. Industry analyst uh, speaking to Kotaku Juge, I never know how to say it, EX, uh, Daniel Ahmad, said uh, he noted that it was, quote, the most popular game at Sony China Joy booth with very long lines. So even despite the uproar, it was a game that was pretty popular yeah. there. Because um, Breath of the Wild rules. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's a fair argument. Um, uh, another couple things from China Joe, but I kind of want to just talk about the spirit of it in general, uh, since we don't know too many specifics about a lot of these games. But uh, one really big one that Sony is making a push for from China Joy was Monkey King Hero is Back, uh, which is an original game developed by Hexadrive uh, with input from PlayStation. It's based on a 2015 animated movie, which was a huge, huge hit over there. Uh, and so they showed off a new trailer for this sort of uh, fantasy action game with some really, really large-scale uh, battles in there. I think it looked pretty cool. Yeah, I liked the look of it as well. I would pull it up for you, but the computer is finicky sometimes. <laughs> uh, another game that was highlighted there, more animals, uh, F-I-S-T, or... This? There you go. Thank you. It's not that it's difficult a in a minute. punchy new trailer. I, I, <laughs> I appreciate that headline push score. Um, <laughs> that showed off a new trailer there as well. Other games that were highlighted were In Nightmare... Uh, as well as Romance of the Three Kingdoms 14 Journeys. Wow. No, not Journeys is not part of that. That's the verb they're using in the headline. You tricked me with your Romance? catchy headlines. Oh, wait. Oh. Romance of the Three Kingdoms 14. So that obviously there is some crossover with games that are popular over here in the West as well. Um, but And that is supposed to be sailing overseas, as Push Square put it, uh, early 2020 for PlayStation 4. Uh, the title is due out at the end of this year in Japan. For those who were asking, you know, didn't see much China Joy coverage on IGN, as we sort of mentioned on the show, it kind of caught a lot of us by surprise. Yeah, it and did. I think it's something definitely that we will look at more seriously in the future. Um, but moving on from that, in terms of games that we know are coming up soon in the US that we'll be talking about, uh, I wanted to not talk about Monster Hunter. Okay. Surprise, guys. That's fine. I'm kidding, Casey. Of course, we're going to talk about Monster Hunter. I, I was um, about to leave. Yeah. I'm <laughs> um, there are a lot of games coming out this fall. We've been talking about a bit of them recently. Of course, uh, PS4 exclusives like Concrete Genie, which I just got to play, uh, and Death Stranding, which we all really, really want to play, and <laughs> hopefully we'll learn more about soon. But uh, Monster Hunter World Iceborne, where does the colon fall in the title now? Technically both. 
Okay. It's after World now. If you're talking about the base game, it's, it's Monster Hunter colon World. Yeah. If you're talking about the expansion, it's Monster Hunter World colon Iceborne. Because nothing makes sense. Yep. Names don't matter. <laughs> um, so Iceborne is coming out September 6th, pretty yes. soon. It yeah. is a major, major expansion for Monster Hunter World. Um, so you do need the base game, correct? Yes. To play mm -hmm. it. Okay. Uh, and not only do you need the base game, you need to have beaten the story of the base game to even access the new content. Although there's some stuff that carries over but like or that you'll have immediately but not a lot so if you like me played the first five hours and were bounced because you were busy with other things and you're like i should go back you can't just jump right into iceborne nope. no no but i do have an article on how to prepare for iceborne that you can read to learn all about all the things you need to do yes uh <laughs> and so i basically want to talk about one how to prepare but also your impressions of iceborne because you both were able to preview a bit of the game how much did you both play about five hours yeah it was like the first six missions of the yeah. story okay mm -hmm. um and you both were playing in the same like hunting party yeah. essentially okay us and um who were we playing with i actually didn't ever get their names i didn't either <laughs> oh I no i that. thought but they were great they were they were very <laughs> great i i assumed that we would be introduced but none of us were introduced to anyone else in, in the room and i was like i thought for a moment oh i should go over there and introduce myself and be like hey casey you're really like monster hunter it's gonna be great to play with you but i didn't want to be weird so then mm. i just didn't I'm sorry. Thanks We're, for playing. <laughs> <laughs> they're at home watching and they're like, finally, my time to be mentioned. And then you just totally, you totally scrubbed over them. Um, question, were you talking over like headsets to one we another? Were or were you in the, in the room? room okay, I, I, we had some technical difficulties with headsets. So uh, okay. Because I was going to say, if you're doing that like crappy E3 press conference, like Delta Niner, they're over there. Can you, can you <laughs> land the, like, I figured you could just call them different names each time. But no, I was basically just yelling moose a lot. <laughs> So tell me about the mooses. The moose. The meese. The meese. Uh, tell me about the moose. The moose is Bonborough. Bonborough is the main the main man moose, which is moose, the main. This is off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Bonborough is like the, the. We've seen a lot of Bonborough in preview coverage already. Mm -hmm. He's the guy with the big antlers yeah, and kind and of we, like a beaver tail. Yeah, and we already got to fight him at E3 as well. So he wasn't super new. Gotcha. Um, you can look up plenty of information on him, but we did get to fight three brand new monsters which are subspecies which some people might not say brand new but i think they're new so <laughs> what what whatever. is for those who may not know what is the subspecies controversy or like so um a subspecies is kind of like to monster hunter like alolan pokemon is to pokemon gotcha <laughs> where it is a the same perfect for the playstation <laughs> I'm, I'm, kidding. I'm kidding it's the same type of monster but they evolved differently to adapt to a different location so they have different colors and different um, elements that they wield and are stronger and weaker in different ways. Um, so, for example, like Azure Rathalos and Pink Rathian are both subspecies, but the new subspecies that we saw were a little bit more ex example. I don't even know what to say. They were just more different than the Pink Rathian and Azure Rathalos. So we got to fight Viper Tobikadachi, which is a Tobikadachi that wields poison and paralysis instead of thunder. Nightshade Paolumu that adds the sleep element, whereas previous Paolumu only had some wind pressure effect. And then Coral Puke Puke, which does not have poison and uses water instead from both ends, which is the quest name. Really? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Oh, <laughs> but um That's oh boy. Tom, tell That's us awkward. tell us your tell us your nickname for Coral Puke Puke. Fire truck Puke. Because it is bright orange red and it shoots uh, water out of its tail. It's got a fire truck hose. It's, yeah, it does. And it's yeah. red and it's a fire truck puke. It's, it's literally a fireman. <laughs> All it just... does is go around setting out putting out fire water. But it's also a monster. 
that you need to hunt. Yes. yes. Okay. Because so, then we're going to so bad fire put out the fires. Yeah. <laughs> so not only do these monsters appear in different locations than their other, like their parent species, but they look different and have different attack patterns. So while they're like, you can try and predict what they're going to do, but sometimes they might ca- catch you off guard with attacks that have a different range than original ones. And like coral puke puke's water attacks deal more damage than puke puke's poison attacks, and they have different range and also inflict water blight. Whereas Toby Kadachi can poison and paralyze you at the same time, which is not fun. It's the worst. Yep. <laughs> and what? And then the Nightshade Paolumu actually leaves clouds of sleep on the floor that you oh, have nice. to avoid as well. Yeah, that's interesting. That was a really interesting one to play around because I feel like those clouds lasted a lot longer than most of like, there's not a lot of like AOE effects that stick around in yeah, Monster there's not. World. Uh, and so the the nightshade palumu was a really interesting one to fight because you'd be if you were fighting it in like a cramped area, there would just be whole sections that you mm-hmm. just couldn't go through. I think I think that is an effect that we can expect from master rank monsters in mm. the future that they will be leaving around um, things that we have to avoid. Yeah, and there's a, there's some of that already with like the poison mm-hmm. plants that would drop poison pools and that sort of thing, but they felt like they went away quicker than the palumu's uh, yeah. cloud. Look, entering the conversation, John Ryan. Hi, everybody. Hello. I'm so sorry to be so very late. Uh, You're good. You're good. Hopefully, your mic is on. I'm going to check real quick. So keep talking into it. Hey, it's me. I'm super late because I was seeing a game that I can't talk about right now. And lunch. And lunch. Mostly lunch. What's that? Um. What's lunch? (laughs) Uh, Well, this is meal between breakfast and dinner. Um, Oftentimes, coming with some kind of uh, aperitif or digest beef at the end, maybe. Wow. Who are you, Hannibal? Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I, I just went to a place that has on their sign an olive through with a toothpick. So yeah. it was a pretty classy joint. Momos. No. <laughs> <laughs> They're a great Pokestop slash greenhouse for 100%. The nice. There for the Pokemon, very rarely there for the salads. Yeah, <laughs> fair. Uh, anyway, JR, you're joining us right in the middle of Monster Hunter talk. Oh, cool. Great. I'll leave. No, he well, helps, you helped with, with I, stuff. I, by hell. <laughs> <laughs> by helped, you mean I uh, joined your party like twice and then immediately failed to do anything of value and then I stopped playing. I'm, I'll happily carry. It's fine. That's fine. It's true. Speaking of carrying, I totally didn't carry Tom because he's great and we recently got him. Um, so he originally played on PC. And then replay it on PS4 so you can play Iceborne when it comes out. Yeah, I said that I talked about this on the show like two weeks ago, and uh, I played too much of that. Yeah, that was when you were like just starting your journey. Two weeks ago, we had you on. You talked about the fact that you were just starting it. And how many hours have you put in? I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) How many? He accomplished all of his goals by. I put 74 hours in in three weeks. Sounds so roughly about correct. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, my account on PS4, even though I've played less hours, my account on PS4 is actually farther than my account on PC was, like higher level, all that stuff, because I just kind of knew what I was doing more. So I just like really buckled down and, and ran through it. And, also, and you I had Casey. Game. Yeah. Well, so. and Casey was carrying me through some of the like <laughs> yeah. story missions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really fun to play that, that preview of Iceborne 2, especially because. It was hilarious growth compared to last time I played it at E3, where I was like, literally, that was the first time I'd ever played it with a controller. And then by the time we did this preview event, I had something like 20 or 30 hours already in on PS4, and I was like, ready to go. And it, was, <laughs> it was really fun. And, um, and we got to play with the Clutch Claw a lot. Yeah. And that is a really cool new, I, I want to call it a tool? Yeah, I weapon? think it's a tool. 
Um, but it lets you grapple onto monsters. And I'm sure you've seen, if you've been keeping up with the um, coverage of Monster Hunter, it lets you grapple onto the monsters. Okay, so look, you can do this with your weapon out, right? So you yeah. have your weapon out, you're railing away, and you're like, I feel like grappling the monster. And then you basically hook shot onto its face. And then you can either attack it with your weapon, which wounds it, which lets you deal more damage to that part, and it makes it drop slinger ammo. Mm. And with the slinger ammo, when you're on top of the monster, you can unleash all of your slinger ammo into its face, which makes it run forward. So your goal is to use a different button to change its direction, so it's facing a wall or another monster oh, or a tree. Or whatever. Yeah, and then you make it run into it, and then it falls over. Sweet, that sounds cool as hell. And it is, and it's really neat. And all of the different weapons have kind of like different stylized attacks mm -hmm. with it, and it just makes it look really cool and interesting. It changes things up in a very meaningful way. It's when also, combined with new weapon attacks. Yeah, and it's also not what I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. I thought it was going to be. I like the in insect lave as my weapon of choice because I love mounting the monster. I love getting on top of it, jumping around above it. And you love bugs. And I love bugs. It's true. Um, you got a cute little moth guy, mm -hmm. pseudocat. Anyway, um, I really liked that, uh, and I expected the clutch claw to basically be a way to add a little bit more mobility into every weapon because any weapon, every weapon has a clutch claw all at the same time. Um, and I know in I didn't play much Generations Ultimate. I basically just played the demo that they had a while ago. But I know that they had a thing where you could. Like, anybody can get a jump in that, right? It's like a style. I can't remember the name of it. Wait, are you Generations Ultimate? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Misremembering that? No, there's an aerial style. Yes, that. So basically, they had a way for any weapon to have a little bit more mobi like vertical mobility. And I assumed the Clutch Claw was going to be a similar thing. But it's kind of not that. Because mm -hmm. you run out of stamina when you Clutch Claw onto a monster really really fast it's hard so it's, to do that yeah and so it's sort of almost like a like a hit and run utility tool where you're gonna grab onto it do one thing to it whether it's like weaken a part send it into a wall redirect it like something like that and then you get off yeah mm -hmm. and it's not just a tool for any class or any weapon to mount the monster which <laughs> is not disappointing by any means because it's just a different thing than i was expecting and it's I did say that any weapon can grapple on, but it's actually different for some weapons. Like, for example, with the lance, you can only grapple on if you successfully counter mm. with the clutch clock counter. And, um, man, that was really hard to do. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, Great job, both of you. Yeah, yeah you, you both succeeded from what I've heard, you know, at the preview event. I did want to ask, uh, Tommy, you were saying that aspect that you were just talking about is not disappointing to you. But was anything from the preview event disappointing or worrying or you hope to see more of in the full game to get a better understanding of how Iceborne may be either changing or keeping things the same? So you you and me talked about this actually at lunch yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, this idea, so a very interesting stat, I think, and I, I said this to you yesterday, yeah. Monster Hunter World has sold 13 million copies. The Yay. highest selling Monster Hunter game before that sold about four and a half million which means that there are n roughly 9 million players playing Monster Hunter World that have n probably never played a Monster Hunter game previously. Mm -hmm. I'm one of those people. I mean, I've played little bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Casey, you're the exact opposite. You've played basically every Monster Hunter game in existence. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. Except for there's one Japanese exclusive, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> and you call yourself a fan. <laughs> so the interesting <laughs> thing to me is... 
we fought a bunch of subspecies and they were really fun and they were really different. Like it was really very cool to see kind of how many different moves they had, the different elements made you think about fighting them in different ways. They were in different locales. All those things add up to the point where it's not like disappointing monsters fights, but the prevalence of subspecies was a little bit like, oh, like, okay, like we're going to get mo- like a lot of these monsters, not maybe not most, probably not most, that's too far, but a lot of these monsters are going to be just subspecies. They're just going to be different versions of monsters we already fought in world rather than completely brand new stuff or in the case of a monster like the saber-toothed guy, Baryoth, mm-hmm. um, a returning monster from an old game that is completely new to me as mm-hmm. a Monster Hunter World player. And I was hoping for a lot more of that new stuff, and I'm hoping that when we know the full monster list, it does go more towards that new stuff than subspecies. The beginning of the campaign relies a lot on subspecies, and I was like, again, had a ton of fun with it, loved those fights, thought they were very different, but as a brand new player, I'm not as used to knowing I should expect subspecies. And so they feel like, oh, it's just like a different version of it. It's like a palette swap or something? No, it's, it's way more than a palette swap. It's right, definitely but like, not I mean, that. it's that feeling yeah. though, where it's like, oh, it's just another Giratotus or whatever. Yeah, it's like, oh, I've, I've already fought a Puke Puke. And yeah, right. this one deals water instead of poison and it's oh, stronger no. and, and it's, it's got different moves, but it's like, still a Puke Puke, Puke yeah. at the end of the day. And like, I'm not disappointed by that, but I just hope that it does not rely on that entirely and i don't think it will from what we've seen and what we know about it so far it's just one of those things where i think and maybe casey i don't want to put words in your mouth i think long-term long-time monster hunter fans are going to be more okay with that stuff Mm -hmm. than new monster hunter fans are and i agree with it was something i didn't even think of because it was something that i expected happened with with g rank like you get access to subspecies and the thing with a lot of previous monster hunter games like with monster hunter for you and monster hunter three ultimate, well, for you anyway, um, you already had, the G rank was already baked into the game. Like we didn't get it until after, whereas this is the first, I guess besides try and three ultimate, I'm sorry, there's a lot of different monster hunter games and there are, <laughs> that's uh, too many. And there are a lot of caveats to all of it. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> subspecies were something to look forward to because you only got them in G rank, right. which is now master rank. So it was something that we expected because the subspecies are a lot stronger and a lot different and they come with totally different armor sets and totally different weapons, which baked in together makes it a really awesome, interesting experience because I, like for example, I love Paolumu. I think the first time I saw Paolumu, I thought it was awesome. And now I'm getting a totally another version of a monster I already loved that also gives me different armor to play with. And that's part of this is we didn't see the armor and we mm-hmm. didn't see the weapons that these things turn into. Because we weren't allowed to look at it. Yeah, so <laughs> so there's it could be that my fears about that stuff will be assuaged when if we go and see the Nightshade Palumo armor and it's like way different and super cool and unique and yeah. suddenly I'm like, oh, okay, this is this is a very different... It's worth fighting all of those extra, not reskinned, but reskinned. Palomos. Yeah. yeah. And Casey, for you, uh, as someone who probably knows Monster Hunter as well as any Monster Hunter developer does, um, what from that preview event like made a really lasting impression on you beyond what you've talked about already? I, either good or bad. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it. Am I allowed Ooh, to talk about enough. optional quests? Uh, I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> I'm kind of confused. What about Celiana? That, yes. that there we go. Let's talk about that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so... Do I need to cut that out? 
No. Okay. Cool. <laughs> but now you need to cut that out. Optional quests are not a. Super. Do I need to cut that? Yeah. Out? There are there are optional okay. quests, guys. I thought so. I just was like, are you saying something really new? No. no. Okay. The fun side of dealing with embargoes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So. There were so many, so this was also put in an article that we will be updating before the game comes out with even more information and small details, quality of life improvements that make a very big impact for a game like this that is so big with so many different things to do. And one of the big things that we saw in Celiana was the new Gathering Hub. And the new Gathering Hub not only has a footpath that lets you pet your Palico and play with your Palico, but it has every single thing you need to do in between quests in the gathering hub. So if you want to be playing with your friends and hanging out with your friends or maybe doing the Cold of Terath siege, which you can only do in the gathering hub, you can just stay there and get all of your side quest things done. Like you can go to the, um, the botanical research center and do your farming. So you can collect all of your herbs and all of your items you need to like make bow gun ammo. You can go to your box and change your bow gun, um, Equip uh, mods, you can go to the armory, you can do the Argosy, you can do your Tail Raider Safari. Literally everything that you need is there. And then they also added the ability to use your radial menu in the Gathering Hub. And you can have a totally separate radial menu so you can have a, just a social quick menu. So all of those things just is huge quality of life improvements. And there are so many of those. And as a bowgun support and a sword and shield support that I run pretty often, it's you can change your radial menu so instead of having to craft one at a time where you have to press a stick for every single item you want to craft you can change it to craft all so if you have 20 slots for fire ammo you just press the button once and then it'll craft all 20 in one go That's handy. so there are a lot of small quality of life improvements that make a very big impact that i'm very excited about and they also introduced um four slot jewels which isn't like to shouldn't shouldn't be totally surprising but um you can slot two um, two different abilities into one jewel slot on armor now. And you can also unlock like plus rank uh, mantles, which have slots. And like, there's just so much. There's <laughs> a lot of stuff that like is super granular and whatever to somebody who's not sort of really into the game. I'm not going to lie. My eyes sort of just glazed over yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, appreciate I have that, that effect like... on people. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I appreciate that it's like important for people who do. It's stuff, it's a lot of stuff that if you have played the game a lot and you've gotten really deep into tempered monsters and arc tempered stuff and like you really know it well, then a lot of these little tiny things are going to make you go like, oh my God, I'm so glad that's finally changed. I'm so glad you can finally change your Palico equipment from any box in Celiana, right? Because there's a Palico sitting next to all of them. Like that stuff is so whatever granular. But the people who play the game a lot know like, oh man, in Estera, in the original town, I had to walk all the way into my room. That was a loading screen. Then you walk to your Palico and you're slower in your room. So you go to the Palico slower and then you change your equipment. Then you got to go back out and like, that's just gone. It eliminates the loading screens that you need to do all of these things. Yeah. That's awesome. And also like the the difficulty jump, I really appreciate it. <laughs> it's like it feels like it did going from low rank to high rank. So if you had like I think that that's like an okay kind of comparison. Like if you had the best low rank armor you possibly could have made and then went into high rank, you're probably okay for the first couple of missions, but then it's going to start getting difficult. Whereas if you go like coasted on the most on like the worst low rank armor you could get and you start high rank, you're gonna get destroyed. And I kind of felt that just looking at how it felt, like Viper Tobigadachi like carded me and, and another person in that group at the same time. 
and like carded is just vernacular for it killed me. <laughs> but um, I was going to let it slide. I, yeah. I assumed it was um, something. It's called carded lines. because when you get knocked out by a monster, um, the cats, the felines will come in and throw you onto a cart and then wheel you back to camp oh. and dump you off. Because you know. <laughs> so that you don't get eaten by monsters. Yeah, so you don't yeah. get eaten no, by the monsters. I appreciate that. Um, the cat people do that. So, and, it, <laughs> yeah. and it did that to us even though we had a, a master rank set. And yeah. so if it did that with the master rank set, which is like 100 more defense than my best arc tempered set, like you can see that it's going to be pretty difficult. Well, and obviously, as we were mentioning, both of you have a lot of experience with the base Monster Hunter. And for people who maybe didn't understand every word of all the details Hello. but want to get into it, <laughs> you did mention we have sort of a like how to get ready for Iceborne. Yes. Sort of um, it's, uh, how to prepare for Iceborne. Um, it's an article and video that I made. And I also am on Twitter at Shiny KCD. And I like helping people with Monster Hunter. So I'll probably reply to you if you have any questions. Yep. Yes, uh, I imagine there will be some questions popping up, but I'm excited to see everything you guys produce out of that preview uh, and then everything else to come when the game finally releases, which is September 6th. So it's so soon. I know, no. it's very quick. Um, a game that's a little further away, though. John Ryan, you got to play. Ooh, I did. I did get to play it. Please, uh, we have Tom Marks in our presence, so don't get the name wrong. What game did you get to play? I got to play The Outer Worlds, not The Outer Wilds. Nah, you got one of them wrong still. Just Outer Wilds, not the Outer Wilds. Oh, for God's sakes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you know what? No, it's fine. That's that's fair. Um, I, the Outer so you have to Worlds, leave. not Outer Wilds. There it there is. You Thank you for correcting me, Tom. I truly appreciate it. Um, so you got to play Obsidian's. I did, yeah. I got, to, I got to go throw myself back in time yeah. to a simpler year, 2010. <laughs> um, no, I mean, so I, I say that jokingly, but like this really does sort of, if you played those, you know, the, those Obsidian first-person RPGs, so especially Fallout New Vegas is the one that everyone's kind of turning to, and because it's a, it's it's right, that's like, <clears throat> excuse me, like that's a that's a apt comparison for sure. Um, mm. This feels like a classic, you know, first-person run around, make a bunch of different choices with all your different characters um, RPG, and it's like the world they've built is super neat. Like they do sort of take that uh, that retrofuturism to a different place than Fallout does, and they kind of modernize it a little bit with like, I feel like all the games these days that are making you, having you make big important choices are all about how capitalism is bad. <laughs> and like, they're not wrong in that, but. <laughs> but this um, is a game very much about like, corporations and planets. Exactly, and this is, it's, it's that notion of like, capitalism gone awry, but also like on, on a literally multi-global scale. Yeah. Um, and it's not, I think a key difference too with the, the future, retro futurism, which I like that term, uh, is that it's not apocalyptic, right? No, no, it's not. Well, I mean, so there are areas that are like run down and broken, but it's more like a frontier of space as opposed right. to the ruins of a society. So like the, the planet that we went to uh, was the same one that they demoed at E3. If you saw that or if you watched our coverage uh, from E3 of that, it's this planet called Monarch. Um, and the idea is basically that uh, in the the outer worlds, these sort of rim planets, um, there are like two of them that were terraformed. Uh, one, um, I forget the actual name, I want to say it's like Halcyon or something, um, but the other one is Monarch, and Monarch, the terraforming got botched. They Ooh. goofed it. Um, the idea was that they would basically like either launch a probe or like detonate something, I forget exactly what it is, um, that would... Oh, thank you, Jonathan. I'm sorry. I just, here, I can scoot closer, I guess. No, it's not your fault. Sorry for those listening on audio. Uh, the framing that I did before the show was without JR. Oh, so thanks. when you came oh, in. God, thank you. Yeah, it was only for three people, but that's okay. Um, 
So like all of the uh, wildlife that was supposed to get killed off got made bigger and angrier and a lot meaner. <laughs> so instead of like a bunch of little insects running around the desert like you would have in New Vegas, um, you've got what they call, uh, what the hell is it? Uh, manta, mantasaurs. Oh, yeah. Which are basically yeah. just like praying mantises, but they're the size of a horse oh. or a, a truck. Oh. Um, they're delightfully horrifying. <laughs> um, and I think that was the thing that I... I and most excited to sort of explore outside of the kind of traditional RPG mechanics. Because, I mean, this, The Outer Worlds has, if you're a fan of, like, sort of classic RPGs in the sense of, like, every choice that I make about my character and everything that I do in this world has a cause, has an effect, and playing with those dynamics, like, this is still very much that game. But I'm also super curious to kind of, like, get out and about in all of the different worlds. I'm not sure exactly how many there are. Um, I mean, just kind of explore, because, like, it's not... These aren't, you know, as I said before, this is going to be a shorter game than I think some people might have been expecting when they first announced. Um, it's not going to be this huge 100, 200 hour long RPG with a billion side quests and all of these weird little things to uncover. Like there's going to be side stuff to do and things to explore, but all of the the worlds that you go to themselves are sort of just like a, a larger overworld. Um, but they're really colorfully designed. Like the creature designs are really cool. Like you've got those mantisaurs. Um, there's this one creature that kind of looked like if you mixed um, like a horny toad or like one of those like desert lizards with a porcupine, um, and it was real, it was real bad. That, was it larger? Oh, was it was the, again okay. the size of a truck. Uh, fair enough. The, yeah. <laughs> let's put it this way: the smallest animal that you see is a big dog. Like okay. not actually yeah. a dog. Is it? Oh, okay. I was gonna. Ask no, it's not actually a dog. And you, I would hope that there is one that you can pet, but okay. I can't say for sure. We'll find out when the full game comes out. Yeah. Exactly. Um, in terms of what you got to play, was your demo sort of focused around experiencing how the choices play out differently? Was it more just about exploring the environment? Oh, it was a little bit of both. I mean, yeah. that's sort of the nature of the game, you know, where it's like the whole thing is exploring and figuring out how you want to tackle a specific situation. Um, I think the, the what I really walked away from with it, though, is is that sense of how, how Outer Worlds reacts to you doing that. So, like, not only is... Um, so, for example, in the E3 demo that we... Uh, get to see a few months ago and in this particular demo that we played um, one of the missions that you can take on there's a bunch of side quests I was like you know go help my friend or whatever but uh, one of the ones that we had was this leader of this town called Fallbrook which is sort of like the main settlement on Monarch um, the woman who runs the town there wanted us to kill off this local business baron who runs uh, this it's called Borstwurst <laughs> uh, and it's it's really horrifyingly disgusting but apparently it tastes great oh. um, it's from these creatures called Sisty Pigs um, that doesn't. It sounds nasty because <laughs> it is. Uh, just imagine a big pig, uh -huh. uh, but instead of it being like slaughtered for bacon and meat, uh, it just grows tumors that then kind of slough off of it and are meat flavored. It's a, it's a real happy world. I mean, that yeah, it's sounds, real nasty. That's like more humane. It, it it's super like is. It's a, a lot more economical. Um, yeah, except for that, it's, it's, it's food stuff. Exactly. It's just tumor meat. <laughs> Um, so the idea is that you were supposed to go Tom's to his face right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a vegetarian, so I understand where you're coming from. I was sitting next to you in the E3 demo, mm -hmm. and when all that stuff came up, you were uh, you were the only person who laughed, which I appreciated. <laughs> I thought it was funny, but you were the only one who like audibly would like <laughs> kick into it, and I was just like, yeah. I, see, I really, I really love when people like lean into that sort of like not necessarily abstract, but just like the weird side of things where it's like. All right, let's look at the future. If you're really going to try and squeeze every last drop of profit out of something, 
how can you do it with the tools that we've sort of established in this world as it is? It's like, oh, tumors. There it is. For they're, food. They're survivable, they're non-toxic, and they're delicious. What more do you need? And they can make a variety of foods. You can get borst bacon, borst wurst, borst wieners, borst dogs, borst hams, borst steaks. Or Anyways, horse stews. So was, burgers. I'm sorry. Was, I'm not trying to just destroy Tom. Tom. I'm sorry. How you doing, um, Tom? I'm fine. Okay. <laughs> overall, let's get back on track. Um, the overall point was to uh, this: the woman asked you to either sabotage his uh, cannery or just straight up kill him. Um, but you know, was curing the pigs. That wasn't. No, absolutely not. Okay. No, I don't. I don't. Here's the thing. I'm. I still am not sure whether or not the cysty pigs are a naturally occurring tumor, oh, tumorous phenomenon, okay. or if they're engineered. I assume they're engineered. Yeah. But also, I just fought a giant praying mantis and a weird hedgehog lizard, so I'm not super sure what's mm. real. Fair. Um. So, anyways, you get there and like you can either you know sabotage some factory equipment. You can like kill all the workers. Uh, you can just kill the guy, or you can talk to him and be like, hey, this lady told me to murder you. What are you going to offer me if I don't do that? Um, and it's 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 very much playing into that um, sort of, you know, the traditional idea of running around an RPG, um, but also the the rest of the demo was just kind of exploring the world. We got to, we did get to play the first chunk of the game, but I can't talk a whole lot about that. Sure. Um, and, except in rel- rel- relatively broad strokes. Um, but the point that I was initially making all that long time ago before all those pig talks um, is that the way that the Outer Worlds reacts to you, I think, is sort of how they've kind of evolved that formula that they're known so well for. Um, So, you know, not only do you have abilities that you choose and you start out with, so, like, if you want to be dumb, that was an option in New Vegas and, you know, the first couple of fallouts, which the team here worked on as well. Um, You know, you it's not as dumb as like Fallout 1 and 2 where you literally just can't speak English. Um, <laughs> but you do have the option to like, the the stuff that you talk to people with will be pretty f- stupid. Sorry. It's oh, fine. No. Um, did, we, did you make the whole episode until just now? Yeah, but it's uh, good. Tom and it's I cool. are on a family-friendly podcast. You knew what I knew. I was, I was waiting. <laughs> you knew what I wanted. I legitimately, <laughs> when you started going on about the the... The pigs. I you're like, like when's oh, it coming? It? It's coming. When am I gonna? Have um, to I'm real school? sorry. No, I'm good. real sorry. You're good. Um, you know, you can't. It's it's not gonna be like you can't speak English. Like me go in, me take key pass. But it's it's you'll definitely say some stupid things, um, which I just I really appreciate. But the other side of it is where there are these things called flaws, where uh, you can see uh, Janet Garcia put together a whole feature on it. Um, if you want to check that out, I highly suggest you do. Hey, Janet. Um, but basically, like, let's say you uh, take a lot of falling damage or you get uh, somebody take a lot of blunt damage to your head. Um, maybe you'll get offered this thing called a flaw, which is you get an extra perk point that'll give you a bonus to an ability, but you also have to take a permanent debuff to it's your like character. It's like maiming in D&D. Basically, yeah. So it's like if you get hit over the head a bunch, maybe you'll get a perk, but also you might become dumb. Like you can't necessarily come, you can't talk that good after taking too many hits to the head. Um, or if you get killed by a bunch of robots, they'll, you know, offer you the, the flaw, uh, robophobia, where it's like you might take some combat disadvantages against robots. Or um, what's the other one? There's one that makes you like panicky. If you keep getting, if you're trying to sneak and you keep getting seen by guards, if you're really That's bad gonna at stealth. That's going to be me. Yeah. <laughs> That's really um, funny. 
if you keep getting seen by guards, you're called, you like you basically become like sort of a paranoid, jittery person. So like while you're talking to regular people, like not even in sneaky scenarios, you're just like, hey. So anyways, I was um, <laughs> I was out at the. Did you, did you hear that? Did you, oh no! And so like, you'll have different effects put on you, not only in combat and not only for like health and management stuff, but also in your social interaction That's too, which I think is super super interesting. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, I was gonna just going to say, I also just heard about the hard mode, Supernova. Yeah, mode. dude, it is. <laughs> it, like, has the potential to completely change the game entirely. Like, there's there's already a bunch of factors that can, like, kind of create a lot of replayability for it, even on just, like, the easy, normal, and uh, hard difficulty modes. But Supernova adds a bunch of stuff, like uh, survival mechanics. So, like, you have to eat, you have to sleep, but you can only sleep, like, in a rented room or in your spaceship or whatever. Um your companions, so because there's this whole companion system where like you recruit people and you do missions for them and they become more loyal to you and you can increase your loyalty and that makes their abilities better. They can just permanently die now. So instead of like them waking back up at your spaceship or in the hospital or whatever, like they're just gone forever. So like if you have, if you're like me, like you have two ride or die companions. Like I, <laughs> I played through Mass Effect and it was just Garrus and just Ashley. That was it. But... Maybe not anymore. Yeah. Like you can get through the entire game up until the very final confrontation and then one of them dies and it's like, well, yeah. What now? I, I really love that idea um, of them trying to evolve, like keep what everyone loves about this yeah. genre so much, but seem to evolve it even in what like might feel like small ways, but it, it feels like definitely something we're not going to know about the full impact of that stuff until we play through the full game. Yeah. I mean, there are things that I like that you notice at, like at least I noticed while I was playing it that I'm kind of surprised they didn't alter. So like New Vegas, for example, had uh, armor and you only had head armor or hats and full body suits. And like it would change the the complete texture of your body, but it would be treated as like chest armor and that was it. Um, but a bunch of mods that a lot of people really loved gave you separate armor slots. So you would get, you could have NCR Ranger chest and coat, but you could also have armored legs and armored you know, elbow pads and stuff. Um, this keeps just the two item inventory and it's oh, like, I, I understand like that's a, it's a much easier and in a game with so much choice and, and cause there's a lot of inventory management to do. Cause again, if you're like me and you run through an RPG. It's just like, <laughs> give me all the things. I'm just going to, I'm going to take everything that you have on you. Um, but you still, it, it, it was surprising to me to see sort of old holdovers like that, very small changes that could have been made. That haven't been. And again, not, that's not a bad thing at all. Sure. Like I think in the long run, it will be beneficial to players, especially ones who want to play multiple times. Um, but it was just kind of weird to see, like, there are some things you would have expected to sort of evolve that haven't. But also, like, it, that makes it somehow feel even more like an Obsidian game. Interesting, yeah. yeah I, I appreciate that they're trying to stay to the roots of what people love. Yeah, about they, the they games, were, but. I got to talk to a couple of the dev team, and, like, they were very much about that idea of it's, it's, it's a game very much baked out of our DNA as yeah. a studio yeah um you mentioning just now of like as someone who plays an rpg and just takes everything mm -hmm. i was trying to imagine someone who doesn't play those rpgs like that i literally can't how, think of a person how freeing i guess that is oh my you god just go through and you don't have to worry about anything i mean you're probably missing half the game but you just you just run through but uh, conversely maybe you're not missing half the game maybe you're experiencing a lot more of it because you're not worrying about whether or not i have to save the thousand health potions in my bag and how the first thing that i have to upgrade every time well, I what if i need point. all thousand exactly what if i need them all but that's the that's the pain about it is that see look how i didn't swear right there i appreciate it look how that's the bad thing about it is that you'll get to the end of the game you're like you'll hit final boss and you know it's the final boss and you're like oh i i have 400 health potions but i 
might need those for something later. Yeah, who knows what comes next. Exactly. Um, but very excited to hear that you enjoyed your time with it. Oh, um, yeah, it was absolutely a blast. I'm super looking forward to jumping back into it. Comes out October 25th. So yes. hopefully we'll see more of that game soon. Uh, October is right around the corner, basically, at this point. Um, but Yeah, it's basically next week. Yeah, pretty much at this point. Uh, as we're wrapping up, one, I know that we are over time of our allotted recording. So if any Sorry. of you have to leave, I understand. Uh, if anyone needs to go. So I do have a meeting, but I'll be here. I'll, I'll stick around for a minute. I appreciate it. I uh, want to wrap up with two quick things. One being, of course, memory card. So let's play that right now. The sound played halfway toward the end, so I'm going to play it one more time for the folks at home. Thanks. Because, boy, do I feel bad about it not playing sometimes. Oh, anyway, it's in the headphones. It's in the headphones. You can't okay. hear it, but it's there. I know. Just I heard it a little like bit, and I was yeah. like, wow, your laptop's really quiet. <laughs> That's the only audio that gets picked up for... Yeah. Cool. Anyway, moving on. Memory card is, of course, a segment we do here every week on Beyond, where we read your funny, sad, happy, whatever stories from your PlayStation and general gaming lives uh, that you have all written in to the show. You can do that at Beyond at IGN.com with the subject line memory card, and we'll read them every week on the show. Uh, reading one, it's a bit longer this week, so just this one for the week, but this comes from Ben. Ben wrote in and said, salutations, Mr. Jonathan Dorvish and Beyond Crew. Hi, Ben. Salutations. Uh, I'm a longtime listener, but this is my first time attempting to write in. I just wanted to say that I love the memory card segment you've started and as an English professor it's great to see the power of storytelling being celebrated uh, you're doing a wonderful job of the show I hate saying nice things about myself on air like this and I eagerly <laughs> await each episode we get it you're delightful he continues on for a hundred word now um, uh, I also need to shut up Brian who's not here but anyway specifically because I really appreciate his humble gaming insight joyful demeanor and humor he's just always laughing and making others laugh and it brightens my day but the whole crew is also great also real talk that's just Brian yeah. like anybody who thinks that the, that's an act it's not it's just he's him just, all the time He's just a great guy. Uh, I brought this on uh, because it is a bit of a crossover with MVC. Uh, ben wrote, this story may be disqualified because it includes the Nintendo Switch. I'm not disqualifying it, though. Maybe MVC should do a memory card, but I just had to share it anyway because I haven't heard too many memory cards about uncles and nephews yet. Aside from being a lifelong gamer, I'm also a very proud uncle of two incredible kids. Naturally, as soon as my nephew, uh, Kieran, could sort of hold a controller, I've seen sharing the wonder and delight of a video game with him. Uh, when he was just two years old, our favorite game to play was a somewhat forgettable gem on the PS4, Octodad. He would often refer to it as Octopus Dad, which is great. <laughs> but my favorite would be when I'd ask him what he wanted to play, he would simply make squishing noises to simulate Octodad's tentacles. <laughs> That's really great. As if the game's intentionally goofy controls weren't difficult enough, we would play each with a uh, we would each play with a hand on the controller oh since God. his were still a little too small to really grasp the DualShock 4 completely. His favorite level was when Octodad had to go to the grocery store store excuse me and we played that level so many times he actually started to know where the various items were i still don't think i've heard him laugh quite as hard as when octodad gets sucked into the freezer he would actually laugh until he got the hiccups every time <laughs> <laughs> but like also same though it's it's great i love that game fast forward a little over three years and several gaming memories later from disney infinity to dragon quest builders and the family all chipped in to buy kieran his very own nintendo switch for christmas since i had already beaten breath of the wild i lent it to my now six-year-old nephew over the following months he had put in at least 80 hours into the game between other titles, regularly borrowing his mom's cell phone to call me with a quick question about a divine beast <laughs> or asking if I could help him beat a section the next time I saw him. One evening, a little over a year ago after, uh, excuse me, a little after Kieran had started playing Zelda,
Zelda, I drove over to my sister's house. My nephew came running to meet me at the door with his switch in his hands. On the screen, the credits for Breath of the Wild were rolling, and an excited smile stretched across his face. My seven-year-old nephew, largely on his own, had beaten Breath of the Wild. Gamer Uncle Pride swelled in my chest as I thought back to his first experience with the Octodad and the PlayStation 4. He had definitely come a long way. I congratulated him and joined in his victory. Then I made a huge mistake. I asked him what he was going to play now. Kieran's excited smile melted into a look of existential crisis as he began to cry. (laughs) He was utterly overwhelmed by the fact that the game he had been playing for over a year was over. I was eventually able to console him, and he's now making his way through the DLC, eagerly awaiting Link's Awakening. We're definitely both Nintendo fans, but I can't wait until the day when he's a little older and we can play PS5 online together. Maybe by that time there'll be an Octodad 2. Uh, thanks again for the incredible content you put out. I totally understand if this is too Nintendo for beyond. It's not. Uh, maybe I'll write it at some point with some of my own Kingdom Hearts memories. Please do. Uh, from one <laughs> fan to another, best Uncle Ben. Uh, thank you, Ben. That's a nice story. That was so story. heartwarming. Yeah. I love that. Um, I feel bad to have to, you had to break the news to him about things ending. <laughs> but that's also but, such a relatable feeling. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've definitely beaten games and then had like a mourning period of that's like. That's actively oh, me no. right now. I had that with P- uh, Persona 5. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I that finally, was a big one for me. I finally just finished Assassin's Creed Odyssey and I'm just like, I don't know what to do next. Yeah. A lot of DLC. I get that yeah. seven-year-old feeling, man. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Ben, thank you so much for writing in. Again, you can write in to beyond at IGN.com with your memory card stories. Please label the memory card and we'll read them on the show in the coming weeks um, because I uh, want to rush for time a little bit. want to wrap up with Trophy Test, which we don't have a theme song for. So, Tom, give me a Trophy Test theme. It's a Trophy Test. We cool. don't have time. It's short. All right, fair, good, fair enough. Really good. Um, we, now that we're in the 600s, I want to bring back Trophy Test. We haven't done it for a while here. Uh, trophy Test has essentially become... I give the panel beside me the description of a trophy from a game. Uh, this week it's Kingdom Hearts 3 because, of course. Uh, I will then give them two titles for these trophies. One is real, one is fake. I need the panel to tell me the real title. So I'm going to read you the two titles. You need to tell me the real one. Right. Uh, we'll tally up the points, and throughout the year I'll see who's the best at knowing these crazy, weird, dumb trophies that I come up with. Um, so again, please tell me the real trophy we're going to go through. These are all from Kingdom Hearts 3. I've done Kingdom Hearts 3 on the show before. I made sure none of these were uh, replicating what I already did, so sorry if I missed one. But anyway, first trophy. The description of this trophy is to adventure through Olympus and complete the story of that level. Is the title of this trophy Clash of the Gods or Put the Glad in Gladiator? Which of those is the real trophy title? And we're going to start with JR. Uh, put the Glad in Gladiator, obviously. You're saying it's the real one. Who you. puts the Glad in Gladiator? Hercules. Thank you. Come on now. I wow. appreciate that. <laughs> Moving on, Casey, which is the real title? I should know this because I played this game for the wikis. And I just <laughs> That's why I, I partially chose it this way. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I, I did the trophy page for this. And I don't remember. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> you a know how test. many trophy pages I do a year time? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's so fair. Uh, uh, Clash of the Gods or Put the Glad in Gladiator? Put the Glad in Gladiator. Clash of the Gods. The correct answer is Clash of the Gods. Yeah. What? Right. Yes. Sorry. It's JR's fault. He like got me all hyped up with yeah, the Yeah, because that's what it should be, Square. What the hell? I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, it's the song from the movie that it's part of. Yeah, and you know who would know that real well? Me. Jonathan Dornbush. Hey, what's up there? <laughs> anyway, moving on. That's, I'm metagaming this. That's this is true. Not you fair. Should. Yeah. Tom's learned my ways. It's like poker. You play the person across from you. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
next trophy, adventure through toy box and complete the story of that level, uh, is the true title of this trophy. Friends are your key or inseparable friends, which is the actual title of that trophy. Inseparable friends or friends are your key. Am I going first again? Tom. Uh-huh. I'll go friends are your key. Okay. Casey. Are you, are you duping me again? <laughs> what? I mean, I'm trying all to trick all of you. Yes. Me. No. Um, this I is the most malicious segment you've ever done. That's my hope. Uh, friends, friends are a key. Okay. I'm going to go with inseparable friends. Okay. And Tom, you said... Friends are a key. Just double checking. JR, you got it correct. Yeah! Moving on. Third trophy. Complete the synthesis section of the gummy phone. Is that synthesis or master synthesizer? Casey. Master synthesizer. JR. What was the other one again? Synthesis or master synthesizer? Synthesis? No, this is master synthesizer. I'm going with that one too. You're, go- you're all going with master. Yeah. It's synthesis. <laughs> That's not a word. Wait, well, also, what, what, tro- what, what level was that for? That was just for, for completing the gummy phone. I, I don't know what those are. It's like a cell phone. You can take selfies with. And it's made from gummy blocks. Can you eat it? No. Then I mean, it's useless. Why would you make it out of that if you can't eat it? Moving Silly on. Silly and dumb. The next trophy. Uh, the score currently rests at JR has one, Tom has one, Casey, you have zero. But there are still two trophies left. <laughs> uh, the description for this trophy, complete the game record section of the gummy phone. Is that one for the books or high scorer? One for the books or high scorer? How do you spell the high in the high scorer? H I J J. God. H I G H. That's the end of an episode. Uh, JR, one for the books or high scorer? Mm, I know literally nothing about the mechanic that it's referring to, so I'm going to say Wait, what, what, one for the books. What was the complete the game record section? Oh, yes. okay. High uh, scorer. You're saying one for the books? You're saying high scorer? I'll go one for the books. The correct answer. Sorry, Casey, it's one for the books. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> neck and neck, buddy. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving on. Uh, the thing is, I take a total tally uh, how this works, much like uh, PlayStation trophies themselves. There's an incomprehensible number system going on behind in the back. I award a uh, gold, silver, and bronze each week trophy. Okay. And by the end of the year, I'll do some math finagling. Right. And cool. You'll do the Russell Crowe and a Beautiful Mind. Yeah. Uh, final trophy. Raise Sora to level 99. Is the trophy name Leveled Out or Keyblade Master? Raise Sora to level 99. Leveled Out or Keyblade Master? Tom, we're going to start with you. Keyblade Master. Casey. Keyblade Master. And JR. I think it's that, but I'm going to be the odd man out and say leveled out. That's the, I like to call that a Mexicoville. Yeah, it's because we can't, it can't, we can't have a tie now. Yeah, like one of us has to lose. Uh-huh. Hopefully it will be you. But yeah. if it's me, we've both played well. The correct answer is leveled out. Yeah! Very Suck it, nerd! <laughs> I hate everything. <laughs> so I thought that because the other one had master and was wrong, this one might have master and be right, but well, you just doubled up. That's also you just a think. very good, yeah. like... I'm really bad at this game, guys. I never look at my trophies. The key is, if it sounds like a good pun, chances are I came up with it. <laughs> but some games are good at that. That's true. There are some, but I feel like they're few and far between from the research I've Yeah, made. I shouldn't have expected as much from Kingdom Hearts 3. How dare uh, you? What a ter- no, Get out kidding. of here. <laughs> uh, anyway, thank you all so much for playing. JR, congratulations for I'm winning sorry, this I'm round. I'm sorry. Yeah. So it's okay, because no one's a loser in trophy test. You still get a bronze trophy. Congratulations. What? Congratulations. Yeah, thanks, guys. Gold, silver, bronze. Thank you all so much Ray. for playing. 
contest. I hope you enjoyed playing along at home, and I hope you enjoyed listening to Beyond Episode 601, the beginning of a new hundred podcasts. The new era. With none of the other cast. No, they'll, <laughs> they'll probably be back next week. Uh, thank you all so much for joining, uh, for watching, for listening. Uh, when you can't find us here, Beyond is live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific at beyond.ign.com, youtube.com slash IGN Beyond, and podcast services around the world unless I have to edit out some curses. Sorry. It's okay. It won't take too long. And hey, I'm it's kidding. just curse this time. It just is. the one. You did well. I'm really proud of you me. You did a good job. Y'all should be too. Uh, JR, when you're not here, cursing up a storm. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me cursing up a storm on Twitter at USFJR. Fair enough. Casey, where can people find you? You can find me talking about hunting, slaying, and capturing monsters at ShinyKCD on Twitter. And Tom, where can people find you? Uh, at Tom R. Marks on Twitter. And I am at JM Dornbush. Uh, again, Beyond Live every Wednesday, 3 p.m. Pacific. Thank you all so much for watching, listening, playing along, listening along to our shenanigans. And as always, Beyond. 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 Beyond.